Uh, there we go. Now I can hear something. Okay. That's fine now. Thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I am Pam Marvin. And today we are completing our series on the joyful mysteries. And uh, Pam will be leading us in the scripture reading uh, for this last mystery. Right. So I've always called it encountering Christ in the temple, but you also say finding Jesus in the temple, right? Yeah, I always think of it more as the finding of Jesus. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, interesting enough, well, we'll get to that part. Okay. Okay. Go ahead and start the scripture. Read the scripture. Okay, here we go. Again from Luke, Luke chapter 2, um, the boy Jesus in the temple. Each year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to festival custom. After they had completed its days, as they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Thinking that he was in the caravan, they journeyed for a day and looked for him among their relatives and acquaintances. But not finding him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them, He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them, and his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and favor before before God and man. All right. Amen. It's a good, good, good. You know what stands out to me first of all, and I'll let you get started too. No, no, you start. Go ahead. But... As someone who struggles with anxiety from time to time, mm-hmm. you know, I um, I was having a little bit of it before I came in the studio today. And Dennis is like, wait, you're frustrated with yourself because you're frustrated with yourself <laughs> for having anxiety? <laughs> I'm right. like, yes. But in here, even the Blessed Mother, I have been looking for you with great anxiety. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, it just goes to show you those very human emotions that she has, even though she was sinless. Right. Which says, my goodness. Pam, listeners, Megan, mm-hmm. those things are things of the world that are going to happen, this anxiety and whatnot, but it's what you do with them and how you process them mm-hmm. that are so important as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, you can kind of parse out a little bit of, there's more than one kind of anxiety, right? There's the kind that where you acknowledge there's a present a clear and present danger right mm-hmm. and so a certain fear as it relates to a clear and present danger is actually a prudent response to a dangerous situation so you have the rising of a fear so in this case you know jesus is missing they don't know where he is something bad could be happening to jesus and so mary has a a fear that without the protection of his parents that something bad could happen to him. And so that is a, a, an appropriate fear for a child who is lost. And it is appropriate response of the parents to 
search for him, <laughs> right? Right. So what she's done is she's taken an appropriate response, a, a, an emotional response to a threatening situation, and she has responded appropriately by searching for her son. Now, if she were to go into a place of anxiety that was so worked up, so freaked out that she couldn't even function because she was just so scared. Oh my goodness, what's out of my son? I don't know what to hysterical. do. I don't know what to do. I don't yeah. know what to do. Just become hysterical and like then can't actually function and act out of that place to a place of responsible behavior, that would be an unholy level right, of anxiety. Right. So I think it's always important to, to acknowledge our feelings aren't sinful, but how we respond to them can be. Yes. yes. Say that one more time, because I think that's so important to learn as part of our emotional maturity to understand ourselves better. So say that one more time. Our feelings aren't sinful, but how we respond to them can be. Yes. So Amen. say if, if Mary, say she hadn't gotten a hysterical, what if she got the other end? She recognizes, oh my gosh, this is a, this is a, a, a threatening situation, a fearful situation. Ugh, it'll be fine. Yeah, the Lord will take care of it. It'll be fine. We don't even bother searching for him. I know that's kind of that, how I would be. <laughs> but, but that's not a holy response either. Okay, okay. The Lord isn't telling us just sit around and do absolutely nothing and I'll just take care of everything. Like he wants us to be engaged in our lives and to make choices that are responsible you know, with the circumstances that we're given and with the guidance of our emotions and our reason together. Right. And so, so either end is, is unholy. Mary chose the holy path. She ex acknowledged there was a, a threatening situation, a fearful situation. And she responded appropriately by searching for her son. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. I, but I do think there's some people that look at that and be like, well, Mary couldn't possibly be sinless if she was frightened when Jesus was missing and i'm right. over here thinking like to not be frightened when your beloved child is missing is neglectful and gotcha. sinful mm -hmm. right no yeah. she had an appropriate response of a mother so what is the fruit of this mystery there's several that could be what let's talk about that too because i think when we talk about mysteries of the rosary um the fruits and the contemplation of them is so important and there's several that we could talk about um the first one for me that comes to mind is um, really that praying for priest. So if we go and finding Jesus okay, in the that, temple. Okay. Yeah, that one's like out of left field for me. Uh, okay. You're going to have to explain okay, that. Great. Finding Jesus in the temple, right? Mm -hmm. Encountering him there. Who brings us Jim, Jesus in our temples today? The priest. Yeah, the priest. So for me... This is my key to really pray for priests because we want to always encounter Jesus in the temple in our day. Mm -hmm. And who brings it? Our priests. Yeah. And I would also say a corollary to that, that I've contemplated a lot regarding this mystery, is to have an evangelical zeal about the truth of the real presence in the Eucharist. Mm. Because guess what, people? There's a lot of folks out there with a lot of anxiety who oh are my. searching for the cure for their fear, frustration, feeling lost, feeling, you know, totally 
out of sorts? The answer is in the tabernacles of the Catholic Church in the person of Jesus Christ. So think about it this way. This is the way I like to think about it. If you were a person in Jerusalem and you saw Mary and Joseph wandering around the city, have you seen our son? Have you seen our son? Our son is missing. We're, you know, we're looking for our son. If you're a person who knew that Jesus was in the temple and you let them pass by without telling them, your son is in the temple. You can find him there. That would be terrible. That would be a sinful thing to let those worried, ter- you know, frightened parents pass by without giving them the knowledge that their son is safe in the temple. Well, we've got people wandering around looking for God in their lives and we're letting them pass by without mm. telling them Jesus Christ, your God is there waiting for you in the tabernacle. Why aren't we telling them more and more and more? He's there. Body, blood, soul, divinity. Experience mm-hmm. him. Experience him. He's waiting for you. Jesus is in the temple waiting Amen. for you to help you. Longing for you. Yeah. And Jesus, what is, how does Jesus respond? Did you not know I would be in my father's house? Of course I'm here. Of course I'm waiting for you. Of course I'm here. And Jesus Mm. promised he would be here. He said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm. He's here in the Eucharist. And we need to lead people there. Every day. Which is why we're doing a podcast. Right. Yeah. But I do think also like the last step, the last uh, one we talked about obedience and being obedient to the law. Well, right at the beginning of this mystery, it also talks about obedience because the reason they were in Jerusalem in the first place was, read. For the feast of the Passover. Because? Um, According to the custom. They were completing the days of returning the boy Jesus remained behind. Right. So the custom being that when Passover comes, if you are capable, you go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice for the Passover. They are a devout Jewish family who follows the law. They lived close enough to Jerusalem that they could get there. So they went. Right. Why are you not going to mass on Sunday? (laughs) That's what I want to ask people who maybe, you know, maybe you're not somebody who skips Sunday mass uh, listening, but maybe you've got people in your life who do. And this is one of those things. It's like, this is whether or you not, you agree that it's a mortal sin. The church teaches that it's a mortal sin to miss mass on Sunday. This is the custom of the church as well as the teaching of the church with a capital T, the doctrine of the church that says you make yourself present for the holy sacrifices of the mass. And Megan, what I see in this particular conversation about people not attending mass goes back to what we started out with, with people not believing in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Because mm-hmm. if if we are better about conveying that mystery to the best of our human capabilities, you can't stay away. When you start to understand that it's really him, you're going to dress better. You're going to be <laughs> eager, you know, because you're going to see the king of the universe, right? Yeah. Why would you ever want to turn down that invitation? Come see me. 
mm-hmm. you know, on Sundays, the king of the universe. Yeah. yeah. And receive me, body, blood, soul, divinity. How can you not but explode with love for a king that loves us so much that when he said, I will be with you throughout the end of time, he meant in the tabernacles right. of the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. So what else you got in there? What do you think? Mm, let's see. Son, have you, why have you done this to us? What do you mean by that? She thinks too, why would you be disobedient to us? So maybe it's a time where it's just kind of a foreshadowing where he's starting to transition from his earthly parents to his father's will. Mm-hmm. You know, I really right. see that, you know, this time of graduation, many, many people around the world or in the United States are graduating. And so we have our young teenagers that go through this transition from being in their, in their parents' home to be on their own. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a, a transition from him being with his earthly parents to being guided only by his heavenly father. I would definitely say that. I think the, you know, as they talk about him discussing things in the temple and how astounded people are at what he's saying, you know, it, I think it really does point to the fact that this is no ordinary child and people are starting to recognize it. But I also think that Mary's response actually speaks to that because the, re- the reality is most parents would be, Okay. I had this friend. I have a friend who has nine children. And so when they would go on vacations, you know, it, you know, stop for a potty break or something like that. And it gets, sometimes it gets a little busy and complicated and things like that. And you get, you know, back in the car and you start going. And well, one time they forgot a kid. (laughs) <laughs> because, you know, they just, everybody assumed that everybody else would be checking on. And so they didn't specifically count heads. They just figured somebody would speak up if we didn't have somebody. Well, somebody did speak up, but it was, you know, about five miles down the road before somebody said, hey, where's so-and-so? Oh and so they had to go back and, and get them. And so the reality is this, is that if you do that, if you were to leave your kid, your the normal response of a parent usually is like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I left you. I'm so sorry. That was so terrible of me, right? But Mary, and Mary says, why did you do this to us? And I think it really speaks to the reality that Mary understood. He has a level of agency, even at this age, that is beyond what normal children would. Mm -hmm. She's Mm -hmm. not like, oh my goodness, son, I'm so sorry we left you behind because they did that. It was their, their bad, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't notice he wasn't with them because they just assumed he was in the caravan some way. So the normal response in that would be, if you were just dealing with a normal case, I'm so sorry I left you behind. Mm -hmm. But no, she's saying, why'd you do this? So she knows if he had wanted to be with them, he would have been with them that he made a choice not to be with them because he is capable of making those choices even at this young age. And so she's asking, why did you make this choice? Because it led to us being very afraid for you. And he's basically saying, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you wouldn't know. Right. right. that, That I would be here. Like he didn't, you know, he just was, it wasn't anything against them. It was 
this is what I needed to be doing. I needed to be about my father's business. Right. But you know, the other thing I think is very interesting that even, even says, uh, well, after he says, why were you looking for me? Didn't you not know I would be here? Um, he goes on to say that they didn't understand. His mother kept these things in her heart, but he said they still did not understand what he meant by all of that. So right. I think that, that lends itself to us really not always understanding the actions of God in our lives, even though we're asking, we'd like to know, Lord, you know, what's going on? I don't really understand. And sometimes in this passage is telling me it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also a really good point to point out that just because Mary was sinless doesn't mean she had perfect knowledge of everything. Yeah. She's she's not omnipotent and she's not omniscient. Mm. She does not have perfect knowledge. And so sometimes we can get but she has perfect trust. Yes, but that's yes, not different. the same. Right, right. right? right. Exactly. And so sometimes we get frustrated with ourselves that we don't understand things or that we can't see what God's doing or, you know, and so we think maybe that's some failing on our part because we don't get it, that somehow it's our sin that's keeping us from getting it. Well, that may be the case. And so it's important to examine your conscience and understand, is there something within me that is blocking my ability to receive God's grace of knowledge and understanding and wisdom in this place? But if you, you know, in seeking with honesty and, and openness to the Lord, be like, no, I don't think it's a sinful place. I just, the Lord just hasn't revealed it to me yet that you, you got to allow that because mm. he's not going to show you everything all at once, you know, because what does it do? It helps us grow in trust in him. Exactly. Which Jesus, I trust in you. Please increase my trust. Every right. day, every day, every day. And the reality is this. If we if we sincerely desire to grow in trust, the the reality is if we pray to the Lord, help me grow in trust, we're also inviting him to bring circumstances in our lives that are going to cause us to grow in trust. I actually just said something to somebody the other day where they were talking about um, how you know, they were struggling in a, in a particular area. And I said, you're actually like reading a book on this right now. And you've stated that you want to grow in this area. You're not going to grow if you don't practice it, mm -hmm. exactly. you know? And so if you want to grow in trust and you've asked the Lord to help you grow in trust, he's going to give you circumstances that are going to make you feel like you don't know what's going on and that you're just going to have to to trust. Okay, I'm going to give a couple examples so sure, people really know it. what we're talking about. The first one that comes that everyone can identify comes to me that everyone can identify with is your finances. So oftentimes many of us um, like, okay, there's this big bill we have to pay and we're not sure how this is going to happen or whatever. Um, that's where a trust comes in that those needs will be fulfilled. That's one thing. Another big one, especially in these times is with jobs. Like someone's unemployed or maybe they're a new college graduate or high school graduate and they're going to look for a job not knowing the future. That's where they need to increase their trust that the Lord will point them in that um, direction. So what is the key here, in my opinion, is that docility to the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. which obviously, you know, Jesus in the presentation was very much so being obedient to his father. And for us, we can interpret as being obedient to the Holy Spirit in our humanity. Mm, right. Yeah. 
So those are two really concrete ways that he, he stretches us to grow in that kind of trust and confidence. Yeah. And another thing comes to mind as you're speaking that where you're talking about how here Jesus is responding to the will of the father and, and doing the things that he's called to do in, in the will of the father. And you see how that's difficult for Mary and Joseph to receive, accept, you know, to understand there are going to be times in our lives where we're in intimate relationships with people and they're going to be called to things by the power of the Holy spirit that we might struggle with that we may like, I don't get why you have to do that. Or I don't, I don't agree with that or, or something like that. But if somebody has a true conviction that the Holy spirit is calling them to something that can be another place of trust where we have to let go yes, and let them yes. move. Let them do what the Holy Spirit is calling them to. Amen. Even if we don't understand it, even if we don't necessarily feel like we agree, it's important to remember that no person can discern what the Holy Spirit is saying to another person for them. Thank you. <laughs> so true. You know, so but so true. often we try to do that, yeah. right? he's saying that well okay you know if you really legitimately feel like because you know this person really well that they are misinterpreting the holy spirit or you know misguided okay you can speak into that and maybe the best thing to do in that situation is would be you know maybe you should talk to a spiritual director about this or a priest about this, because I'm a little concerned that you might be misinterpreting something that, or whatever. Okay, fine. Let's encourage them to do a deep discernment. But if somebody comes to you and says to the degree that I am capable of discerning and with a high level of conviction, I feel that the Holy spirit is calling me to this. Our response as Christians should be, then you should do it. Mm-hmm. And I support you in that. And I will be praying for the fruitfulness of that. Right. And if we can't do that for a person in our lives, if we feel like we're so caught up in wanting to control how they live out their life or their faith, we have some work to do. Exactly. Because abandonment to the Holy Spirit has to be to the inspirations he gives us and to the open handedness to the inspirations he gives to other people. Amen. That's so true. Mm. Good stuff. It is good stuff. There is so much goodness and beauty and truth and in the scriptures. I mean, it doesn't it just blow your mind. It really does. And, and it just makes me, you know, even ask myself really with all humility and conviction, why not, why am I not reading it more? I should be reading it more because every time I get in there and start really digging in and thinking about it, yeah. it there's just so much he reveals to us about him, about ourselves, about our relationships. It's all there. It's all there. It's so true. Right now, is is especially rich in the readings of the church, which are the Acts of the Apostles. There's mm-hmm. so much there. It's been yeah. so, so fulfilling to to read and look at it in different perspectives and, you know, reading it with new eyes. That's why it's, it is the living word of God. He's got something to tell you new each year. You can read the same passage over year after year after year, and each year yeah. something different can pop out Absolutely. and inspire you in goodness. Absolutely. So we thank you for joining us for this uh, 
little journey through the joyful mysteries, maybe throughout, uh, you know, our podcast days, we'll maybe sprinkle in the rest of them at some point, Mm -hmm. whenever we feel inspired by the Holy Spirit, we will move. So, but we've really enjoyed going through the joyful mysteries with you all. It's been a joy and we hope that you will join us next time for shoulder to shoulder. So until then, God bless. God bless.